Spartacus. This week on Put Your Socks On. Hello and welcome to another episode of Put Your Socks On. My name is Angus Morton and this week, as per usual, I'm joined by Bobby J. Bobby, how you doing, man? I am great. I am great. Yes, a few days ago, I turned 49, so I'm enjoying my last lap around the sun before, according to my daughters, I become officially old. So in my family, like this week is kind of crazy because my birthday is first, the day after is my mom. So I want to say happy birthday to my mom. And the day after that is my dad. So happy birthday, dad. It was only my sister that wasn't a Scorpio, and she may have felt a little bit left out. But let me just tell you, back in the day, I would have a cake, and we'd basically just use that same piece of cake until it was gone because <laughs> we weren't we, we weren't going to get go out and get you know three different cakes. So um, kind of kind of crazy. But I had a great birthday. I'm not one of those big like make a big deal about it. But one thing really stuck out, and I don't know if it's just because I don't get out much anymore. But I did see some friends throughout the day. And one of the things that really jumped out was a hug. I had the best birthday hug, maybe one of the top three in my life. And I know that sounds weird, but it wasn't too short. It wasn't too long. It wasn't weird, but it was just comforting. And I said, man, that's the best birthday hug I think I've ever had. So yeah, um, great day, great day. As you can see, but maybe not our, well, definitely not our listeners, uh, I'm struggling with the Movember look. And honestly, I've lost pretty much all morale due to the fact that I saw David Miller with like the coolest mustache ever. I mean, I don't know how he grew that. There's no way he grew that starting November 1st. And that's my, my only saving grace. But if you have a chance, go and check out David Miller's Instagram especially his story, because I love that mustache. I wish I could do that. But man, as soon as this month is over, this, this is coming off because I, I, I'm not good at it. Look, for the listeners, Bobby's sporting what looks like, you know, you've got the five o'clock beard. I think Bobby's sporting like the 10 o'clock beard here. But Bobby, I must say, right, Movember is a, is a mustache. It's, it's, not, it's not the chin. It's not the sideburns. It's just the, the hair above the top lip. I, I so agree. I think, and I think you've got to lose the bottom half of the face, facial hair there. The, the technicality, <laughs> you're absolutely spot on. And I've gotten that a lot. Um, <laughs> that, that manicuring will come later because honestly, I don't think my wife would be able to live with me walking around with a stubbly little mustache for you know 30 days. So I said, okay, I'm going to look a little bit uh, like I'm just growing a beard here. And then the last day or two or week, I'll, I'll go to the stash, but no, no, no competition. David Miller wins the coolest uh, Movember stash, in my opinion. Well, there you go. Stay tuned uh, for next week when we will provide you with an audible description of Bobby's facial hair. And that brings us to today's guest, a career that went from strength to strength. Fabian Cancellara won just about everything he set his mind and his legs to throughout his career. His style was methodical, controlled, and dominant, and his sobriquet, the stuff of mythology. Today, we catch up with Spartacus to talk about life after professional cycling, his protege, and his greatest moments on the bike. Well, our guest today 
needs very little introduction. He won pretty much every classic out there, and most of the time in very dramatic fashion. He has a flair to him that is is missed in the Peloton, but at the same time, we are starting to see riders of his genre poke their head out yet again. So without further ado, Fabian Conchalera, also known as Spartacus, also known as the Swiss Bear, also known as Fobs, welcome to Put Your Socks On. Hello, everyone. So Fabian, before we were talking, you know, when I told you the name of my podcast or our podcast, Put Your Socks On, you said something pretty funny that I, I, I hope that you can repeat for our listeners as per your preference for socks. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's so simple. I put the socks on always, but they need to be short because I do not like them if the socks are too high. So in my company, I have, I have Raphael that, uh, that always comes up, hey, the socks needs to be high. I said, no, that looks not styly. That looks just, it's a no-go. So I want to have my socks short and then it's style. And, and you have style, you have flair, you have everything that, that a cyclist needs, that's for sure. But let's, let's w- without jumping... Hey, be- Bobby, before you ask your question, I- I've got a question on socks that I want to... Fabian raised it. So, Fabian, you said you like, uh, you like short socks. Bobby, because just on the subject of socks, I don't know if I've ever asked you, what's the appropriate sock height for you? What are you... Bobby goes up to the knees. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Don't don't throw me under the bus there. I I have to agree with Fabian. I like that that mid mid range mid height sock. I I definitely not a fan of the ones that go all the way up the calf. Definitely, especially when I was a pro, I didn't like you know really really short socks like almost like um, socks that you couldn't see. But now that I'm retired, I I actually wear those from time to time to even out the tan lines a little bit. So I'm a right in the middle sort of guy. I don't like. Um, too long. Uh, so I agree with you, Fabian, 100%. I go the long socks, but then I fold them down to be short socks. You so see? I fit in the middle. But what has changed is the, 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 the high socks are also aerodynamics, equipment. So when you see in the peloton what are riders wearing and what are different brands they're on, they think that socks can give an advantage of one to five watts. So I don't know. I mean, it's quite oh, really? a detail. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm not a freak on that. They say sometimes even a shoe booty doesn't support as the socks at its own. So there Ooh. is a lot of discussions that what is right, what is wrong, and what you should wear and what you should not. But you know what is good? I'm out of the game on that. And <laughs> because of not want to have this sun tan on when you go uh, at the beach or when you go on a with your kids swimming somewhere uh, that they don't see straight away, ah, it's a cyclist. Because <laughs> I was going to yeah. say, Fabian, I just pulled up a photo of you in the, uh, in the 2016 Olympic time trial, which you uh, were successful in capturing. And you're wearing booties, so they're not socks, but they're quite high. So I guess that's the aerodynamic factor coming in there. Yes, right. <laughs> Sorry, Bobby, I hijacked that a little bit there. <laughs> no, hey, if I was racing and there was one watt to five watts out there and the guys in the wind tunnel told me what to do, I would have them up to my knees if I needed to, but I know that's not legal. Enough about socks. We know that, that Fabian loves to put his socks on. That's why he's here with us today. So let's dive into it. Without going too deep into your amazing career, which is absolutely phenomenal. 
You won the world championship individual time trial four times. You won the Paris-Roubaix three times, Flanders three times. You won the Olympic Games twice in the individual time trial. I do remember being very proud that I beat you in 2004. I was third, upgraded to second, and I think you were fifth. And I remember how proud I was of that. So especially when you went on to be such a boss in time trials after that. But um, I don't know how many stages of the Tour de France that you won. But what I'm interested is how many days did you actually wear the yellow jersey? Because I never got to touch it. I added it up and I was 21 days in second place, less than 10 seconds off the yellow jersey, and I never got to touch it. But you seem to hog it. Tell us how many days, if you know, and I hope you do. Yeah, yeah. Did you have the jersey in the Tour de France? 29. So I'm, I'm currently uh, the record holder on wearing most day the yellow jersey, but without winning Le Tour de France. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Well, you know, I'd, uh, I'd take that many days in the yellow jersey. I'd take one. I'd take a half a stage like Alex Stita back in the day. I would have taken that. I'd have taken a start. I'd have taken a start in the Tour de France. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, the the prologue's been my target. The, the, the prologue's been my. Um, if it was Liège twice, if it was Rotterdam, it's Monaco. Yeah, I mean, a, a London. I mean, every time trial that was outside France when I was writing it as a as the opening prologue, I have won it. So there was also the prologue or the time trial where Dave Zabriskie won. Bob, you might remember it. Yep. Lance, I think, was second. 2005. And, 2005. Yeah, and, and I was there too, but I wasn't as good. So every prologue, every time, for whatever, first day in France, I never had the chance or I never got it. But uh, somehow um, being outside uh, France as an opening stage was my, my luck. Well, of all the races that you won, and I'm sure they're well into the 80s, do you have a favorite victory? Yeah, that's. <laughs> I said sometimes it's a luxury problem. I have multiple. That's a bit my problem. I mean, for sure, the, the ending, the 216 Olympic Games in Rio de Janeiro, ending my career at that day, telling to Luca Guarcilena after the race, straight away, let's call John Burke, the president of Trek, that I'm going to retire straight away. I mean... A better ending of a career, I think it's um, it's not possible. But this was on a high. But when we go really deep, deep, then Tour of Flanders 213 probably stands definitely most out of it because I had a tough 212. I crashed out uh, the classic. I crashed out uh, as well on um, <laughs> at the Olympic Games. I lost a possibility options on medals. My mistake. I have done the mistake. My fault. And that, I must say, that I had to pay during the winter with tough time. I had difficulties. I had motivation problems. I had to really work hard on myself to come back on finding a direction. And I found the direction, found new spirits, motivation, had the great support around my family, the team. I could come back and then, bam, Flanders, 213. Uh, the way I have won is just the release. So that's why this race has 213 Flanders has so much more in than just ending a career. Because ending a career is not you come from the bottom. Because in 12, I was at the bottom and I came back and I fight it. And that's why 
that victory stands definitely really, really high out. And and that's interesting what you said there. I think a lot of people look at successful professional cyclists like yourself and think, man, they just need to get up in the morning and I'm going to throw it in there, put their socks on and they're going to win races. But we rode together. I worked with you in a different, once I retired on that, the, the rider development role and, and we're friends and you are not, you, you are not that tank that no matter what happens, you're going to go forward. You do have your ups and downs and that's what I think makes cycling so interesting. But what, what was it that drove you during those hard times? And let's face it, you had a lot more good times than bad. But I think it's interesting to get into the mental mindset of a professional athlete and, and talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I think, I mean, mostly of the people they see when you win, when you're on the podium, you're there and um, everyone is cheering, uh, the press and the fans and and the TV and the sponsors and I mean, everyone is around you. But somehow on the podium, on the top of there, you stand alone because the guys next to you, <laughs> they wanted to be there too. So they don't like you because you beat them. And the first is the winner. And somehow the others are, I don't say the losers, but for them, they feel like, damn, I haven't won. I want to be there. And I was so many times up there. And that's why by the years, it came also that I had to fight always more, more and more because the others, they've not been sleeping. The others, they've been not waiting. I mean, everyone was working hard and they've been just waiting when you crack because when you crack, you, you're going to lose. And, and that's somehow also, I said always, I went to races to win bike races. I trained to win bike races. I slept for win bike races. I, I played with my kids to, to win bike races. I mean, everything what I did was related towards bike races that I want to win because to go to bike races and just do it, yeah, then I can stay home. I, I was trying to mentally get me as the winner mentality in myself on the start line to give it everything. But I mean, it's never easy. Nothing is easy in life. But what definitely it is, if when you hit, I mean, I got hit by the 208 discussion that came out after the Tour de France, when we won with Carlos Sastre's tour, that everyone was was on doping. And then the motor came on 210. And, and then, yeah, this, this crashes on 212. I crashed out in 215 on the tour. Uh, had had broken pieces. I mean, when you go in my my career on details, I've been ten years somehow on highest level from 06 to 0, until 2016. I was on the on the highest. I, I won every year, whatever which kind of race, and was always on a high level. But I had my downs, and I honestly I need to say it, and I must say it. If I not had those downs by by crashes, by situations that I got into spotlights that I not wanted to be. I mean, I had to have, uh, I had, I became a strong skin around me that this I had to protect because otherwise, I mean, in 08, in three weeks, I gained 10 kilos because they said, ah, he was one of the others and there will be for sure something. And I was the hero in Switzerland. I won the Olympic games and just 10 days later, a chaos and from one to another you from the hero to zero 
And I think by the years, by the experiences, by, by also human growing on, on, on the mature side, I learned a lot. I saw friends, colleagues. I saw who came and who, who, who went. And of course, you had to isolate you also regarding to yourself and to your family and who you can trust and who you can't trust. Because uh, the problem is, Somehow they like you that you win races, but somehow they don't like it. And, and that's why to be in the spotlight, it's not easy. But if you want to win bike races, it's part of the game that when the spotlight comes, you need, you need to adapt it and you need to handle it. Otherwise, you crack. And when you crack down, everything can be done and, and you don't win anymore. Everything goes down. And for sure, this mental strength. I mean, I worked on... Oh, uh, auto gain training. I had the mental trainer. I had my coach. I had my life coach. I had a coach that was helping me, but not he told me what to do. He was just there and he was listen as a neutral person and and listen my thoughts about cycling, about my family, about my wife, about the kids, about to be even a father, to be a husband at home, to be a team leader. What is a team leader? So. I didn't only work on the skills on, on, on cycling. I worked also on private, on my own, uh, to, to have also this responsibility because, I mean, this is not just riding responsibility skills you need. You need also in daily life with your family. I mean, uh, I have two kids, I have my wife, and, and, and I've been grateful and thankful on that. But um, I say always, hey, uh, nothing is easy. And, and that's why I said always on the end, hey, never give up because if you give up, another one is faster and you don't win. But you won a lot of races and you just told us right there that you took yourself out a lot of races. And I'll never forget watching you crash out of the tour. I think it was in 2015. You were in the yellow jersey yep. and I'm just looking for you. And all of a sudden I see this yellow jersey cartwheeling through the field and I'm like, oh my God, that's my friend Fabia and I hope he's okay. So with success, with taking yourself out of races, you know, in certain situations, but was there ever a time where you got to the finish line, the best, you know, prepared, you, you were sure that you were going to win and then you just got beat? Like what was your hardest loss to swallow? Because it seemed like every single time you wanted to win, you were there. Mm -hmm. And but there had to have been one that got away. Oh, um, they didn't get yeah, away, they... did they? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, damn, that's a good question, Bobby. It's a good one because I mean, I learned by years, especially by ending, I mean, towards the ending of my career, that even I have done 100%, I have done everything right on tactics, on preparation, on, on, on everything, I have nothing found that I did a mistake. I still was satisfied or happy or I, I should be happy about what I have achieved. I think um, this, is, this is still also something to learn. But of course, when you get second or third or whatever and, and you don't find anything that you could do better, I think you can still be happy or should be happy because other ones are better, stronger or just had whatever, something better. And I mean, I must go deep actually to find the race. Um, I think your response was one of the best I've ever heard. So I don't think you need to, you know, strain the cranium anything more. Um, that was fantastic. And, and, and I agree with you, you know, second place is not the first loser, especially if you do everything right. So, um, hats yeah, off but I, 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 I race to win, but 
for sure they had you not been happy when you haven't won and so on. But I think that's the beginning. But then by time you learn also to be happy about the second and third or a fifth or a tenth place. Because, I mean, I mean, everyone is different and not every day is the same. And there are days where things goes and things where it doesn't go. I mean, I crashed out in 215 on the Tour de France. And I tell you, I crashed out, but I stand up. I want to restart. I want to go. But it wasn't possible the next day. I had broken bones. And this was also, it was not my mistake. And I went home to my family and I wasn't unhappy or disappointed. I said, just, hey, just the wrong place. Just this happened home. I mean, but if you crash out and it's a mistake from your own, then it's different. Then you're, you're arguing, then you're unhappy. So sometimes you cannot have everything in your hands. And then even when things comes, you have to accept it, close it, and the next chapter you're going to start. So Fabian, like, we've talked like, a little bit about philo- the philosophy that you, you take, I guess, around, around your results and that you, you sort of took to, to your career perhaps more over the the um the training and, and bits and pieces so on that like i'm interested to hear what do you think it was that made you so good at cycling what what what, what made you so good at chasing those victories and getting them um, i mean I, I i i i go back to from my parents how the parents has, has given me yeah, just basic stuff towards lives. I mean, my father Italian, my my mother is Swiss Swiss German, so the, the, the Italian flavor, La Familia, all together. I mean, we we look as a family together, and then of course I became professional. Then I joined Team Mapai, so I go through quick the stations of teams I was, and from all the teams, if I take this out, what I gonna explain, you might gonna get what a bit has become also my, my, my direction. And of course, it's also in my nature that certain things has become also on, on board. But in MAPAI, the, the slogan was Vincere Insieme, winning together as a team. So this I take on. I went to Fassa Bortolo with uh, Giancarlo Ferretti. And Ferretti was like this admiral, like the general standing there and watching and saying, guys, today we race and there's no excuses and, and we train hard, we do race hard. I mean, we just do everything we can. So, and, and this also I took with me. Then I, I changed from Giancarlo Ferretti to Bjarne Ries, where I also joined Bobby. With Bjarne was, I mean, it was not just becoming a better rider, it was to become as well a better person Whatever experience you do, take it on you for your life. And then it's your private life and then it's for your cycling life. So it's two things that you can put together. It's not only learn what we do for your cyclist career. No, learn it to become a better person, to to adapt on that. And the team spirit we have created, I mean, uh, with, with Bjarne, the equipment I have got more into where we worked more on details uh, at the other years. I mean, with Giancarlo Ferretti, you get the, the time trial bike at Tour Mediterranea or at Paris. At Bjarne Ries' team, you got it in December. So that was the change I got from Bjarne when I joined the team. So many great athletes, uh, so many great 
people I have met there. And still today, the people I have met, and these are still, when I look back, was the best years because it's not, I mean, we went to races as multiple leaders, but we not had any problems between each other. We just went and did and fight and won and, and all in ones. And, and this is why those years been amazing, been unique, because I learned most also become a better person. Maybe I was already somehow a good person, but with those things, with, this, uh, with the, um, the, um, the soldier training we did, the survival camps we did, I mean, hey, jumping into cold water and then you see, damn, who is the egoist that just swims away and looks for his own? Or you see people that take care to others, who, who takes over responsibility for the boys or for the whole team in the water. I mean, these been skills that you don't learn just because you sit on a bar together and you have drinks. I mean, we had three days, always special. And then the continuation happened, of course, with, uh, when, when I left Bjarne, that I do not can be just with Bjarne alone. Then other ones have left, like Stewie, uh, the Schleff brothers, Kim Anderson. I mean, mostly of the team people has left and I joined them. Even had a contract, so I learned new skills in a new team when the team starts from scratch. So I saw a lot behind the scenes, and I'm always a guy that wants to see behind it. I'm interested to see or to hear. And then, of course, I joined, you know, the years with Trek, uh, with Luca Guercilena, uh, learning about the digital data, and also on the end, my gut feeling. So the last year of my career, and this is why still today my gut feeling is helping me so much in my daily life, that the gut feeling is once, but that all the what's and power and digital trainings we have done on the what's and whatever, it's somewhere in a cloud and we could always check your trainings. Because if I will only look on my data files and my training schedules, I will probably explode. So that's why I was a writer that needs the combination of both. And that's why in 16, this combination with all the experiences from all the time trials, from all the races I have used in that year. And that's maybe by end of my career, I could ending with 104% my career. That means I did 4% more than any other races I had on 60 minutes. Maybe Bobby, you as a specialist on data, I mean, I reach 104% best. So it means 4% better than any other 60 minutes I had. And, and that's what I said to myself, just wow. Yeah, that's what we call a mic drop um, <laughs> over here in the US. And, and you definitely did that. But one of the funny stories, and I know there's gonna, I'm going to try to filter some of these in because you're, you're just a great guy. But when, when I retired... And we did one of those training camps that you mentioned. We had a exercise that we had to go through a simulated burning building with oxygen tanks. Oh. We had like ladders that would like kind of scroll down. So you had to be really fast to get up them. And we had to, th we had to carry this like 50 kilo, I, I think it was like a bottle or like a keg or something like yeah. that. And it was supposed yeah, yeah. to make you think that this is the equipment that these firefighters use to, to get through these sort of situations. And I got paired up with you. And after I retired, I wasn't working out as much and you were definitely at your peak condition. And I remember going through this burning building and I barely got up the ladder because it was coming down. 
and you say, throw me the keg. And I barely could get it up with like both hands. And you grabbed it like with one pinky and took off into the darkness and lights are going off, sirens, smoke, just crazy chaos. And we got the oxygen masks on and I am just breathing as hard as I can. And it's like a little catacomb through this, mm-hmm. this, you know, to simulate getting through and out of a building when it's on fire. And I basically stop because I can't see you. I don't know where that keg is. I couldn't move it if I wanted to. All I can feel is my heart rate at max and breathing like just gulping air. And all of a sudden, like the hand of God, you just grab me and pull me and we get halfway through the exercise where there's a like a a guard, um, you know, one of the soldiers there. And all of a sudden I hear this alarm going off and it's my oxygen tank is getting low. The guy looked at me and he said, you went through a whole bottle of oxygen in <laughs> half the exercise. I, I mean, that's what it took to keep up with you. But like your hand getting me through there, I probably would have sat there and just taken my max oxygen mask off and sucked my thumb for a while because I was I was blown away. But like, that's the kind of person that you were. You, you didn't only think of yourself. You thought of me. You thought of your teammates. And, you know, thank you for being the person that you were. And thank you for saving me from that burning building. <laughs> I think, well, thank you, Bobby, for, for those words. And, and yeah, I, I can finish that as well. That, I mean, yeah, I won. Yeah, here, there. But I always remember it's not myself. I knew about the team behind, the staff. I mean, I finished the bike race when I won, came back to the hotel. I went to the mechanics. Thank you to the staff in the room. I went to the riders all. Before I went to my massage, I wanted to see everyone and to say thank you, to appreciate, to to get them the respect for what they have done for me, what they have done uh, to, to, to be part of that victory, whatever, because without them, you go nowhere. So it's, that's also, or you have it or you don't, are you too much an ego? You just run around. And, and even today, I think even when I look today after four years, I mean, I'm someone that not just sees myself. I mean, of course, people sees me, but I don't see it because I see what other ones have done. I do not have time for everyone. Even now, I, I, I have really, really, I mean, I thought after my career, I'm going to have more uh, contact with much more people. But I tell you, when you're out on, on the cycling world, and even I, I see what I have got out from that, there is no time for it. And I'm not with the bubble of, of the riders and going to the teams and so on. And, and even in the company, when I see it today, um, I appreciate the people and, and taking care to the people, asking the people not about, hey, um, what's next? And also, hey, how are you? Or, or how is family going? I mean, it's more than that. And I think this is also the respect I have to people because we are humans and everyone is human and there's no machines around. Uh, even they thought always I have a machine in my legs or in my bike, but there's no machines. Uh, it was my style. I was how I was. Uh, people liked me or not I mean you can't change it but I remember pretty well those things what we have shared there uh, at, at the firefighter uh, boot camp we have done and and these are experiences that are like I said if you people if you throw people in cold water you can see how they react and this is what also what I think most of the riders that has joined team CSC on those years they're always remembering those days back that didn't be unique, special, 
inspiring and somehow also that this years has made us how we are now today wow and on the, on that like you just sort of said there about you're now no longer in you know you've moved on from beyond beyond the kind of bubble and um i'm interested to hear what was it like transitioning out of life as a world tour cyclist as a professional athlete onto the other side of the onto the other side of the fence um i mean from the outside it seems like you hit the ground running but i'm interested how you coped with that change right from no longer racing to watching that go on um and you be on the sidelines i mean for honestly for four months i was just in a in a mode of um I don't say partying, but I mean, of course, I ending my career. I had the Olympic Games. I mean, federation in Switzerland. I was I was traveling like I was so many places, and also the goodbye time I took. And then, of course, um, January seventeen, uh, I said, um, I, "This cannot go longer because hey, uh, now it's the the reality starts. I mean, the real life starts. I mean." You're not involved in a pro team. Uh, you have some ambassadorships. You have some 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 ideas, but it's not just yeah, they're coming. I mean, nothing comes if you don't do anything. So, I started to make my own. I mean, I have I have started my company. I I, I had to start from scratch. I, I hired an assistant. I had my management on the side that uh, was helping me a bit. But of course, I mean, helping is one thing, but. I mean, helping doesn't mean they do everything. And then you, 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 you start to become somehow entrepreneur and then how that's going to work. I mean, cancellata, yes, but it's not always easy with the name when you do certain projects that I have started with my racing series at the beginning. But um, on the other hand, also, I had to find the balance, what I want and what can I do in what I'm good at. I mean, I raced 17 years almost professional athlete on highest level i had or i have my wife i have my two kids i mean everyone in the family had to find a new direction because it's from being 200 200 days away from home and then you've been almost every day at home that's different for everyone so for the kids was different for my wife was different was a life change for me for my wife for everyone i mean my wife also i mean she she had a hairdresser shop and, and now she's changed that from a kid's hairdresser store that also she had her own thing that she wanted to change and, and my side also it's not i go to bike races and then ah, i go say hello to the boys and i go uh, running around the world to present some sponsors and and here and there so i had to find something also towards not just a one-year shot, so also that you can create something that maybe lasts longer than just you do a little bit. I, I ride my bike when it's nice weather. I mean, my wife will say, hey, you know what? I kick you out from home. Do something <laughs> that I don't know. She didn't kick me out. But she also said, hey, you need to find where you're happy about it when you stand in the morning, when you get awake from, from the, when you awake from bed, you need to be happy and you have to find something where you feel something that you can do something or you can create something that makes you makes you happy because being unhappy in the morning and do something that's the worst thing so and i think my problem was only i had too many options what i could do because i now having too many options 
is bad and having no option is bad as well. And I do not went on my bank account and said, ah, it's good. I don't care. No, I looked not left and right. I tried to find something that I have found my motivation for it, what I'm doing. And that's, I mean, I challenge myself also. That's, that's what I want to do also, because I'm a, I don't say I'm a challenger, but I'm a person that doesn't want to stand still. I mean, cycling has given me so much and I have seen the pyramid of cycling, um, how the pyramid is. I mean, the top of the pyramid is the professional sport, but it's small. But if you go down on the pyramid and you see what is under the, the, the pinnacle of that pyramid, that's a huge environment of cycling that it's everything. It's kids, it's people. They are doing the first day of, of uh, uh, they, they do the first time in their life. They are ride on the bike or as amateurs or is whatever. I mean, on the end, what I want to do is, and this is a bit what, I, what I'm going to say straight away is, Every people that I can bring into cycling or motivate cycling or have a project or racing or whatever it is, and he comes into cycling, I believe he can become a better person on health, on mental strengths, on so many. He can find new friends, colleagues. He can explore the world. And remember, when I was a kid, I started riding in the front of my, my, my parents' place. Then I ride around the house, I ride around the blocks, I ride around in the commune, I ride around the city, I ride around the globe. So this is, this is bicycle. And that's why um, if it's for a young kid, for an older man, for an unhappy, unhealthy person towards a super fit person, I mean, if I can give something to them towards the next I'm super excited and, and that's why I have highly motivation because cycling has given me so much and I wanted to give something back for this two-wheel world. And we, we said in German, Schuster bleibt and Leisten. So um, just to round up is I'm not a banker. I'm not a real estate. I'm not a lawyer. And I'm not going into school and to learn that. I come out from cycling and so I stay where I became uh, mature where where i i was part of but it doesn't mean i need to be now on the professional level and to create a bicycle team no because if you want to do that you need to have skills and i never going to open a restaurant and just be the boss of the restaurant if i don't know how to wash plates so before you do that go and wash plates then you do the kitchen and then you go and serve the food and then step by step you create this pyramid to come on the pinnacle to be a leader or to be a boss but to be a boss from one to another day doesn't work because they watch at you and if something is not good they 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 cut you and then you're down and you fail and then it's gone and and honestly i don't like to fail no you don't uh you you definitely obviously ha always had a focus you have that now before we get into your your current projects you know focus passion and attention mm -hmm. to detail it sounds like you're taking your cycling what you learned in cycling into your projects but i got to interject another kind of funny story here as far as attention to detail when we were getting ready when you were getting ready for what i believe was the 2010 giro d'italia team time trial which is basically the first stage we got there a few days early you know everybody's going out doing the final training the preparation the recovery the rest and we went out on the time trial bikes to do some team time trial training 
And I was behind you guys in the car. And then all of a sudden, I see you kind of coming off the back and like looking down at your legs. And finally, you, you flag me up to the car. I'm a new, you know, race coach or what do they call it at, at Saxo Bank? I think I was a, a rider development manager. You know, I'm just happy to be in the car. And you come back. I roll down the window and you go, do you have an Allen key? And I'm like, well, as a matter of fact, I do have an Allen key. What do you need? I need to lower my saddle one millimeter. <laughs> and I kind of looked at you and I said, are you serious? You're like, yes, we pull over now. And you pulled over and you stopped. And I gave you the Allen key because I'm not a good mechanic. And, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to observe this. I swear to God, you lowered that one millimeter, tighten it back up, get going. And I'm just like, he's come on. Like, wh what is that all about? And then all of a sudden I saw you spinning faster. You turned around, you gave me the thumbs up, you know, and then you just went into the, into the line and just crushed it. That one millimeter. Did you really feel that one millimeter? Is that the way that you operate? <laughs> um, well, I mean, what I don't do is like changing the cleats, you know, uh, put them back and forward or left and right. But no, this with the saddle up and down on oh, Bobby, I still had later as well on road races. I remember uh, there was certain road races where Roger Tail, my, the mechanic, we stopped uh, at 50, 60 K and then we lowered or we hired a saddle by one mil. I don't know. It might be just, I was missing this, this feeling of it's right. I mean, normally you do not change a saddle position, but at that moment it felt right. And because of just stopping and doing it, it felt right. And I jumped back and it's like this release because remember maybe when when you when you ride on your bike and then you think damn today what the hell is going something is not good on that bike <laughs> and then you pull the hands up and then you say hey guys i need to change the, the, the bike or the wheel something is wrong and then they change the whole bike and then say damn wow hey, that bike feels better something must be not good with the wheel and then by end of the bike race they come to you and say hey you know what the bike had nothing <laughs> <laughs> so you see what the mental can make for changes. The mental side of the sport is huge. And I just love that you're taking that sort of mentality into your projects. And yeah, you've been a busy man. You are a busy man. Just to name a few, you have the Chasing Cancellara series. You are a ambassador for BMC, IWC watches, Mercedes. So this is obviously keeping you busy. Um, I want to ask you about the Chasing Cancellara series, as well as your involvement with the Swiss Racing Academy. So let, let's start off with the Chasing Cancellara series. How, how are, is this working out? And what is your overall vision for Chasing Cancellara? Yeah, we have, I mean, Chasing Cancellara, we, we started in 17, actually, with, with some short time trials and close roads, because... The thing is, on we have so many Grand Fondos, we have so many races, and somehow they are all the same. You ride with ten thousand people, and then boom, and then here, and then there's no there's no interactions. There is is always the same. And and I said I want to do something differently. And 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 right now the Chasing Cancellara series is is open to everyone. Everyone has access if it's good, fit, unfit, whatever. We have from a time trial short 
until to uh, Ultra Fondo, because the Ultra Fondo is like, we have the pinnacle of, of the Chasing Cancellar series is actually from Zurich to Zermatt is 290 kilometers over six and a half thousand altitude meters that you can do it alone or you do it with your friends as a relay and you change. So the thing is, what I want and what in, in generally it is, it's, it's not with 10,000 people because I'm involved from the beginning to the end. If it's a race briefing, if it's the start, I control the bikes. I'm there. I'm with the people. I'm with fans, but I'm also just with people that first time ever they do an event or they do a challenge because one of the events is also, I, I call them a bit of those challenges. I mean, I still want to have my own challenges. I still want to have certain goals per year where I train a bit for it, but I don't going to do crazy trainings because, I mean, I do not have the time anymore because I live daily life like everyone else. I have fully load. So also the details, I mean, podiums, I mean, I'm there. We have 500 people, but I tell you, I want to give time to the people and when I'm on the road. And, and this is what it's about. It's a family event. It's somehow also the way it presents is a, is a kind of a boutique series that we, we're trying definitely to have on Globe. We had, we had events in Denmark, but now in Denmark with the Corona situation, we could not do it anymore. We, had, we have it, options in, I mean, to have on every, every place, somehow like in the States, in Australia, in Asia, in Europe, I would love to have one of those events because I believe that what I'm doing is right, but it's right that what the people will get is something unique. And, and the experience they make is this is what I love because to, to get for people new experiences when they come. I mean, can you imagine there was people coming from, from Sweden the morning to Switzerland, then they came to Zurich and then they raced overnight because you start in the night. You start at one or two o'clock at night. You will have to wear lights. Uh, you went and you go through difficulties and what is, what is the beauty? And I think you guys, you can give me uh, the answer that everyone in life has crisis. But if you do an event with 290K, you go a lot through up and downs. And that is supportive also for your daily life. Because in life, when things come, you cannot just pull it back and say no. And in the, on the bike, and I tell you, I can tell you stories. People has ordered a taxi for the support car because they not want to give up the race. They, they spend around $1,000 for that taxi that was supporting them the whole race instead of having nobody. But I said, I mean, people was walking the last 10 kilometers to the finish line. People did, instead of 280, they did 330K. They did wrong on the, on the, on the map. They went wrong. But I tell you, they came to the finish line. They wanted to finish the race. They wanted to finish that challenge. And people that might come five minutes be before the finish times we have, I tell you, this has been the most happiest people in the world. And I'm there and I said, just thank you. And they said, no, 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 no. We have to say thank you because this is a unique day I will never forget. And this is what I want, that people don't forget when they do something like this. And, and I feel... I feel honored. I mean, it's touching when people come and you see the happiness 
and those are the challenge they did because I have so much respect for people. They do 3000 kilometers per year and then they come to a, an event and then they finishing and then I believe they go home and say, Hey, what a day. Thank you for that. And I mean, every small detail, the branding, the partners. I mean, I want to bring also other partners on board. I mean, you, you mentioned Mercedes. Mercedes is not a classical cycling sponsor or partner. They, they do car racing. They do everything about cars. But they have seen what, the, what cycling can give to a brand like this. So we consult, we support certain brands. I have a whole ecosystem of brands that I believe that with this, you can give them a taste of it. And with that, they might going to be coming bigger into it. And then they see the investment they do is not so high, but the emotional, what they get out is double high. And maybe this helps for, for, for the cycling world that maybe one day bigger partners, bigger sponsor will join that beauty of that sport. And, and that's why the chasing is one event. Um, I mean, one part of my, my daily, daily business I'm doing. Um, people sometimes think, yeah, for what I go to these events, because yeah, Cancellara, he has already earned anyway. Damn. I have three people on my payroll. I have people that works day and night. I mean, I work day and night too, but I could say, no, I stand home. No, I said, I take responsibility. I want to be more than just uh, the, the ride that has won bike races. I want that I can make people happy. And, and, and I tell you, uh, these people give me so much more motivation to continue in what I'm doing. And um, it's not now we're talking, but everyone that wants to make a unique experience, I think travel to Switzerland and come one to my one of those races. So playing that forward, obviously getting more people on bikes, giving them a real objective, a real goal. Now you're involved with the Swiss Racing Academy. Tell us a little bit about that because, I mean, young Fabian would have probably benefited from something like this. I think all, everybody has had that group that gets them involved. Tell us about that. Yeah, I think um, Swiss Racing Academy is a is a, a pro continental team. That's actually the third level. What we have in cycling, we have World Tour. Where are the top teams? You have uh, continental teams. Where are second level? And then the pro conti is um, is um, or like yeah, the conti team is like the third. So it's it's the lowest level we have in cycling. And, and these are 16 boys that uh, are in the Swiss Racing Academy. And what is it about is like, um, of course, we have the federations, we have the pro teams, but sometimes it's missing this before because with the under 23 teams and, 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 and to have a lack of, of support. I mean, even in Switzerland, we do not have any more, so many bike races in Switzerland. So it's even more difficult for Swiss riders to ride races and and what really definitely is behind the Swiss Racing Academy is that um, only to make them better bike riders will not make them better so we want to create better humans out of it with that what they do and what we do and they can take something on for their life because always remember on on on, on those levels not every one of those 16 boys will make it towards the world tour level because 
But maybe some of them be needed that other ones can make that bridge towards the World Tour teams. But the thing is, what they're going to do if they do not become professionals? What they do? They go back in their daily life. They have no contacts. They have no network. They might have done many, many years only cycling. And for them to find the bridge into their daily life, it's difficult. And that's why when we talk to partners, we want that partners are supporting the team, not only with cash and money and, and equipment, that, that they also support the boys that in the wintertime, maybe one of them goes to do one or two weeks that he can see behind the scenes in, in, I don't know, BMC marketing or at IWC or who else is part on the SRAM or whatever, who partners we have on that we, and they support also those riders and to see maybe they are also good in other things. And we, we give them a small support also towards when they not make the bridge towards professionals, because like we spoke a bit on the beginning, everyone sees just the winner, the winner, the winner. But what happened with the riders, and especially at the age of 23, 24, when they not make it, who is taking care to them? I mean, this is also a responsibility. So the project runs also a bit on corporate, corporate social responsibility because uh, in a team, you ending your career, yeah, you have to take care for yourself. You look whatever you do. But with young boys, you have to take care because they have the whole future ahead. And, and this is why we're running on a tiny budget. And if it's me or it's not me, I mean, cycling is is having a difficult time and, and there's not many sponsors out there. Corona crisis has hit everyone, has hit Swiss Racing Academy as well. But I said, no, I do not want to let down this team. I do not want to let down 16 boys because from one to another day, 16 boys could be on the road. And what are they going to do? The Federation is supporting on that. <laughs> the Federation has other things. So I think, I mean, I did my piece that I can support that team on, on the mentor, on the mentor situation also, but, and it's not, I'm in the car. It's not, I'm giving training plans to them. I'm trying to open doors to certain bike races, but what I'm doing is when it comes, then when we together is talking about certain experiences that like I experienced a lot the years with team CSC with Bjarne, uh, that, that I talk a bit about and, and give good examples and especially also examples to tell them, remember, you here, guys, it's nice, but on the end, not everyone will make it. And this is the reality. And, and we face them to the reality that they learn not only riding super good on the bike to become better, but we learn them also to teach them to become a better person because better humans, better cyclists. So simple. I love that. I could not agree uh, more with that philosophy. I was fortunate enough to be part of um, a program similar to that when I was when I first uh, started racing full time, and um, and it helped me it helped me a lot. Particularly, you know, when as you as you just uh, alluded to, life after cycling comes around, and all of a sudden, it comes so it. quick. I mean, I I, yeah. I said, I mean, I I don't say I I've been struggling for years, but the riders, they stopping the career. I don't know, Bobby, how much time it took for you to find your balance. I mean, I didn't jump straight away into a sports director car. 
I didn't jump straight away into a training, uh, the training study, because I remember I'm not a trainer. I'm not a trainer. I'm not a coach on, on the level of data. I will freak out. I'm not a guy that, that can ride or can drive a car for, for three weeks, seven, six hours a day. I can't, but that's good because I found that certain things I can't do or I'm not good I am. And, and this is also when you have young youngsters to tell them, hey, in what you're good, in what you're bad, follow, you don't follow, and, and take everything on as an experience because we are in a privileged situation. I am in a, in a super privileged situation and I don't going to arguing or going uh, to cry. I mean, of course, I had also my difficulties in the last four years. Once in a while, I said, damn, I mean, what the hell I'm doing here? But then I watched on the desk and said, hey, you know what? I mean, having the focus, having the experiences, I mean, having patience. I mean, all this I learned through cycling, but I'm doing something completely new. So everything what is new, <laughs> honestly, it takes time. But you're surrounded by people that are 20 years in their business or 30 years in their business, and you go on business rides with, with, uh, with, with uh, CEOs on a super good level. They are 50, 55. They have all the experience, and then you see them, how they do, and, and you come up and say, yeah, I ride a little bit the bike. I mean, I want also that for myself, I can, I can say, hey, you know what? I have done something. I mean, I would love to play piano to learn a bit more. But honestly, I do not have the time to learn because they have 24 hours. I run a company with, with, uh, with, with, with three people. We have events, we have partners. I mean, and this is in 24 hours and seven days a week or, or five days a week. I mean, I'm used to even work at 10 o'clock at evening, but for me, it's not a problem because as a cyclist, you've been used uh, that every day is how it is. If it's Monday, your coffee ride, then it's Monday. If it's Tuesday, it's Tuesday. But um, I mean, I can still bring my daughter to school in the morning at 8.30. I'm super happy. I can bring my kids to bed. Um, and if there are some travels that comes, I will do it. I have partners. I, I respect my partner so much. And it's not just the face because I always say only showing a face and, and wave the hand and talking about the past about your nice races yeah that's nice but i want to bring people on the bike to explore and then you can explain and you can talk and then they realize more than just in 15 minutes you stand in front of 200 people and you talk about yeah it's nice to win paris roubaix and the olympic games yes it's nice but on long term no one gets something out but when you take them on the bike you give them platforms where it's related on the bicycle and platforms that everyone can join, then I believe they will get something out that is unique. And what is unique will, will, will give you something for your daily life. And then on the end, I always say cycling is something mental well fitness. Well, I'm going to dive into it then. I, I, I have a friend that uh, I love this saying. He says, be a faucet and not a drain. And what I heard you just say is that you're a bridge. And, and I love that about you. And talking about being a bridge, I would love to know 
your relationship with with Mark Hershey. Everything that you've just said is kind of leading up to, hey, but what specifically? And we all got to know Mark Hershey incredibly well. I mean, his fan base has grown. He's one of our favorite riders from the Tour de France. But you were the bridge for him. Tell us a little bit about your relationship. Yeah, me and Mark, we have a we have a crazy, crazy special story that is is unique. I mean, actually, I mean, he lives 200 meters from from our place, so that's first of all already crazy. He comes out from the same place, and he started in 208. I mean, when 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 I came home from the Beijing Olympic Games, the, my my commune has uh, has has um, has has had a celebration evening, and he came there. And he asked me for a signing autograph card. And he, I gave him that. But of course, I didn't knew that this is Mark Hirschi. I still know that he has this card at home. But that was somehow the starting point to, to, to become a role model for him when he has started. And then, of course, I was focused on myself. I had my races, my life, and all this. And I knew it a bit. There is this youngster that has won junior worlds on a track. And then, of course, when he won the, Olymp- uh, the, the, wor- the worlds on the 23 in Innsbruck in an amazing way, of course, I knew it about more and more. But I didn't went training so much with him at that time because, Bobby, you know how it is when, when you have to do your training schedules. You, you ride alone and you do it. And that was also my time. And and he had different races. I had different races, so nothing really worked. And then, I mean, he he joined Team Sunweb, and he had his he had a he had a manager. And then things went a bit apart. And and he was looking for an agent or looking for something new. And of course, I hear a bit this and that, and said, "Hey, I I, I talked to him. and said, look, uh, here I, I not here I am. Uh, let's do something together." I said, "Hey, look, I mean." I'm, I'm here. That's how it is. I have my company. That's me. This is what I can do for you. This is what we can do for you, but not finding the next best contract because with the next best contract, we will not, we will not match together and that I don't support that. What I want is that we work together if this comes, but that you become a better person you learn on your, your age as a 21 boy. You have to learn so many things around than just to become a better bike rider because you will become better. But when you can adapt the personality, like not the personality, but the person that becomes more mature. I mean, he came and asked, hey, uh, guys, I have here a paper that I need to resign from the team, but I don't know what it is. Uh, and then we said, yeah, and? I don't know. I said, uh, should I sign it? And I said, no. And then we go, we went through points to points and said, look, this is why that, this is why here. Aha, uh-huh, that's why I need to sign. And this is what the completely difference is in football. In football, they don't teach you. They don't allow you to say anything. And I want that Mark is learning. He's learning now whatever he has done. I mean, I don't call him and to say, you need to attack or you need to train this. We said we are part to support, in not in good terms, in, in, in good situations. We are here when things doesn't go. So this year, when he had his hip problem, I said to him, hey, 
now it's time to move and not just to sleep. And, and he did not know operation, yes and no. And then he said, look, step by step. I mean, all my experiences I have made out of cycling, I don't teach him every single thing because if I teach him, he doesn't learn. I, or we let him run. And when things I see or when he needs information or he wants to, to know some other things, hey, I'm there for him. We support him, but we are not, we are not his parents. We are not his, uh, how call them, best bodies. I mean, he has to learn, go through it. I mean, what he has achieved, I mean, hey, chapeau. I mean, amazing the way he did it on the tour. I mean, the way he was racing and the way he went down in the corner too fast, his own mistake, he paid for it. But then he, he got the medal on the Worlds. He won flash. He won almost uh, Liège, but always with the feet on the ground. And I think this is what I want from him, that he has the feet on the ground. I mean, um, now the press was behind him. Uh, the future comes. Uh, other teams will might come. Money will might come. But I said to him, hey, you know what? Step by step, because now next year, press will come. And the riders, they will watch you. So you have already something more. And then you might going to live out from home. You have a bit more money on the table. And then you need to pay tax. So you need to have your own bank account. So these are all things Then when you don't deal with it, beginning on it, how you want to deal it on certain bike races? Because I know he can, what he's super strong. If he goes to bike races, he watches out, out on the window and he gives a shit. He doesn't say, ah, the bike race, well, but... He doesn't want to talk about bike races. He can mentally load so much energy to not think too much on bike races. And then he's ready on the race when, it's, when, it's, when the race is there. But he's not the guy that looks two days before the, the, the race that comes already in the race book and looks every detail and this and that and here and there because he said, I'm going to lose too much energy on that. I became, I, I got too nervous on that. That's why he focused quite on short to what comes this skills means he has a tons of energy still left and he knows that whatever which bike rate it is it is a damn bike race you have a number on your back and when the when you number on the back you have to be a beast and i think he showed some cold how would say cold like bad boy but he's not a bad boy he's a super easy guy He's easy to handle. I mean, he's already now on training and then he's super focused on what he wants to achieve. And this is just to win more bike races and the feet on the ground. I think this is most important because, uh, I mean, I know he doesn't like now in the last weeks talking to press, but I said to him, you know what? It's over. It's normal that on your rest, you have to talk or you will talk to press because when you're good, People want to know something and you cannot say always no. So this responsibility that he has now already on, he needs to learn to adapt. And that's why when he adapts everything step by step, I believe that uh, he will run still more. He will still win more bike races. But if everything in ones will come, and this is my experiences where I told him about a bit my career, becoming early dad, winning um, Roubaix, winning Worlds, being not selected at Tour de France, and this and then the partners, the sponsors, and the expectation. I mean, this is huge. 
And if you cannot absorb or deal with that, you go down. And when you go down, it's hard to come back. Fabian, like, I want to ask you a question here. You've, it, it kind of ties up a lot of things you've said. Um, something that I think is really interesting for me, at least, um, listening to you talk is that your perspective on sport, certainly post-career, but even during your career, is like quite unique in the sense that it's, it's focused much more beyond sport. Um, and I'm interested to hear like, you know, working with, with Swiss um, Racing Academy, working with, with Hershey, doing what you're doing with these, um, with the, uh, the, the Chasing Cancellara events and this kind of, I guess, more broad thinking about sport um, and what it can do for you as a human being. Um, I'm interested, you know, I read in an in interview that you did with CNN that you said sport can be a magnet in times of crisis as mm -hmm. well. I'm interested to hear, like, combining all that, what, how do you see sport and what, what do you sort of see um, the benefits and the power of sport for everybody and for anybody? I mean, I'm, I'm an academy, I mean, I'm a Laureus Academy member as well. I mean, Laureus is a sports foundation and, and Nelson Mandela 20 years ago said that sport has the power to change the world. This is Nelson Mandela. And I mean, I've been living the sport and I see what sport, even in the COVID crisis this year, I mean, people was in-house. So, and, and as soon as people could go out, I mean, in Switzerland, we went super lucky. We could go out. And I tell you, people all over the places with bicycle, with the bicycle. And people is, and I think always moving. I mean, is sport moving? No. I mean, sport is, is yeah, sporting is moving, but sport can give to people so much and I say always when we go to certain rides, I mean, you can be the CEO of that company. You can be that uh, guy that works in a butcher. You can be whatever, which person it is. But on cycling level, and this is where it comes, that when you wear Lycra, when you be on the bike, everyone is the same. Everyone is the same. And there is no color or, you know, this... this uh, what happened in the States with the car. I mean, whatever, how strong you are or not. But what I believe is that sport is such a magnet that it's not ego-driven or money-driven because it's for yourself. And, and this can even, I mean, people having their personal trainer and they say, yeah, you know, I couldn't train by myself. Yeah, that's fine. But I know that people that trained with the personal trainer they feel good about and I think this is why why people have at home uh, um, uh, a cleaner probably because because uh, they might gonna get something out with the sport and I think always sports unites people you learn having respect integration I mean hey when when you put six kids together and they play football and all of them they can't speak the same language but what is it about Football, everyone knows. When it's when when you talk about football in 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 details, the integration, learning, having fair play, um, learning about the focus. I mean, uh, people. I, I mean, I see people riding mostly alone. I mean, for them, is loading the battery for their daily life to have batteries full loaded for the family, for the business, for whatever things around. And that's why I think um, it's not only 
okay, you, you even, you know what is nice? You get endorphins out of your body. And, and honestly, endorphins, I mean, when I come home, even after half an hour and an hour ride, I feel happy or I feel relaxed. Of course, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I have too much power, so I need some times also to ride my bike. Not like Bobby J, because Bobby J rides quite often the bike. I see on Strava. Sorry, Bobby. Oh, you follow me on Strava. Oh, yeah, I see what you're doing Greenville with 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 George Hinkepi, with Christian Vandervelde. I see you ride in the forest. You ride on roads. I saw your birthday ride. You're having nice cakes and beers in there. So, <laughs> I mean, with 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 digital also. I mean, connected. I mean, to see friends riding. I mean, it also motivates me when I I don't find always the time. I think sport is. Is, is amazing, is unique. And like I said, sports unites people. It's uniting people. And, and, and if you can do even sports together with your friends, with your colleagues, with your business partners, with even people you don't know, you can create amazing stories. And that's why sport is, is, sport is a life school. And I went through a huge life school on the cycling side. And I'm thankful on that. I, I do not, um, I don't arguing, I feel privileged, I can be part of that school that I got. Um, nothing came from nothing. I mean, everyone or I worked hard like other ones. Um, but this school is unique. And I'm super thankful because um, it's now also when it comes to daily life, even when I talk to my daughters uh, about sport, about doing something, it gives you perspective in your life as well. Because hang out, how many kids are hanging out and just standing or just watching that digital smartphone and losing their heads? Hey, get out and, and do something. But whatever you do, if it's chess ballet or if it's just running or walking, whatever, but um, it's even good because you're in the fresh air. That's why sport is, is, is amazing. And, you know, even though you called me out on, on Strava, that's, you, you talked about finding a balance uh, earlier. And, and I think that that was the biggest thing that when I retired, I, I didn't have the balance. I, I stopped doing what I loved. I stopped doing what made me feel better because I was focused on, on other things, helping others like you, you know, being a bridge to people like yourself and the other young riders that were on the teams. But I, I absolutely agree. And maybe the COVID situation brought that more to a forefront that activity and sport is what we want and and doing that with the people that you enjoy to be around your friends your family and and meeting new people through cycling is what makes our sport so so very very special mm -hmm. but you know i've known you a long time and i think the the listeners definitely get the impression that i always said about you is that you're like the energizer bunny uh, you know, you just keep going and going and going. And let me tell you one thing that the batteries in my recording device are not as strong as you. So Fabian, A, thank you so much. I know it's late there in Switzerland, showing us your ideas, your takes, your inspiration, you know, your, your take on Mark Hershey. I, I love it. And thank you so much for sharing your time with us and continue doing what you're doing because you're, you're doing fantastic. And to end with another kind of funny story about you as, as far as being 
an Energizer buddy or absolutely clicked off. You were one of the best sleepers I think I've ever met. You were like you are now or it was lights out. And we were at the 2009, I believe it was the 2009 tour of California. No earlier, Bobby. I think it was 2009. Right, but that was 2009 because I was not racing anymore, correct? No, anyway. no, you've been racing. I think we had specialized as new team sponsors, 2-8. Yeah, 2-9. Yeah, it was 2-9. Saxobank and Specialized been our new partners. Okay, so settle down. Don't hijack my story here. I want to I <laughs> get, get it good. I want to get it good. So I'm now a race... Uh, performance manager. I forget what the, my actual term was. And it's Sacramento, California in the tour of California. And we have a new sponsor specialized. We have Bjarna Reese. We have the dream team at that race and we're getting ready for the prologue. And you're one of the last riders to go. So I'm running the, what we call the pit, which is the warm up, you know, turbo trainers and everything like that. It wasn't as fancy as it is now. And one by one, the guys are going off and they're just getting smoked. I mean, absolutely smoked. And Bjarna comes up to me and he's just like, don't worry, we still have Fabian. And I look over at the run sheet and you're not on your turbo trainer yet, like you're supposed to be. So I, I walk into the, the little motor home and you're sleeping 10 minutes, 15 minutes before your start time. You're sleeping and you're like, Bobby, I, ca I cannot race. I cannot race. I'm sick. Something is wrong. And I come out like with this white face and Bjarna says, where is he? And I said, I don't know if he's going to make it to the start line. I go back in there. I'm like, Fabian, like, man, the team, the sponsor, like we kind of need, you know, are you okay? Oh, Bobby, I will try. And you came out fully ready, you know, uh, skin suit on. And I'm like, okay, we're, we're okay. But then you got on the turbo trainer and started spinning like very easy, like could barely hold your head up. And then you did something that I've never seen before. You flipped on that switch. You were in there recovering, you know, sleeping like the Swiss bear, which was, you know, what we used to call you. And then you flicked on that switch and I put that bike on, I checked it and you started doing your warm up. And you broke the turbo trainer. You were going so hard. And you just said, Bobby, that's enough. I think you warmed up for seven minutes. And you go to the start line. You win the prologue of the Tour of California, take the yellow jersey, and then it happened again. The switch just went off. And you were sick, and you could barely start the next day, and you had to drop out of the race. But that, to me, is just unbelievable how you can flip that switch on and off again understanding what the team needed, what the team, you know, the teammates needed, what the sponsors needed. It was phenomenal. And it's something that I'll never forget because I've never seen anybody basically burn the back wheel off and basically break the turbo trainer at the same time. <laughs> do, do, do you remember that? I mean, you may have yeah, been, yeah. you may have been I, up out in the clouds, but I, no, I, no, no, no. I mean, honestly, I, I remember most of it, but um, that I broke the turbo trainer. I don't remember, honestly, but the thing was, because I was sleeping, is I was there in this camper, and I think the doctor wasn't super happy about it because I wasn't on. A, I had already high temperature, and so that's why I was sleeping because I was just tired. And and I think, uh, yeah, I just came out prepared, did that, went to the start, 
and and then I give I give what I had left or what I was what was possible. And I think I won by three seconds ahead of I think ahead of Lance or, or someone else. And and I tell you, I do not remember the press conference, the control. I do not remember <laughs> anything after. I just remember that the doctor came in the evening in the room. They have bring me all the food and so on. And they said, hey, tomorrow we know. I mean, please, if you can start a race, hey, please. But um, stop at the feed zone because we don't want you that you're going to race longer because I had my temperature wasn't super, super good. So that's why on the on the healthy side, I said, look, just go to the feed zone. And <laughs> I honestly, I remember on the feed zone, I jumped out and then the, the race went to Santa Rosa and it was bloody down raining cold. I mean, but... I was sick, so there was no yellow jersey for the half of the race. But I remember your face still <laughs> when you come and say, Fabian, please, hey, all those sponsors, man, hey, you're our last chance. No one else, <laughs> no one else but you. Come on, hey, oh, and then bang. <laughs> well, well, you came through with the goods time and time again during your career. And again, thank you very much for your time. It's been fantastic. Thank you, too. And um, we'd love to have you on again because um, you're, you're quite an interview, Mr. Fabian Conchalera. Thank you also. Thank you, Bobby. And uh, hey, also, Angus, thank you to you. And um, yeah, I'm going to wear always the socks. I'm going to put them on. Yes. I don't, wanna have, I don't want to have cold feet. That's one thing. And hey, hope to catch up another time and love to come over to the States Uh to Greenville wants to ride around with, with, uh, with the old gang. And uh, no, it's nice. Thank you. Thank you for everything. It was interesting also. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Bye-bye. Thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. And thanks again to Fabian Conchalera for joining us. You can find all of our past episodes, as well as a ton of other fantastic cycling journalism over at velonews.com. Please continue to listen, like, and subscribe at whatever your favorite podcast site may be. Just search for Put Your Socks On or Fizzo, P-Y-S-O. We appreciate your support, and please spread the word by telling your friends about us. You can get at us on social media, FizzoPod on Twitter, P-Y-S-O-P-O-D, at that is Gus and at Bobby.Julik on Instagram. Get in touch with us there, feedback, suggestions, you know, just say good day, whatever. We appreciate anything. Until next week, thank you so much for listening. My name is Angus Morton. And I'm Bobby Julik. Thank you as well. Don't forget to stay safe, stay sane, stay calm, and don't forget to put your socks on. This is nice about, I mean, social media. I mean, I, I, for me, Strava is also social because I can see... I mean, Stewie is not on, but I see certain writers, certain people. I mean, it's nice to see, you see a picture here and there, and then, hey, why not? I mean, we have also this chat. I mean, I think it's super nice to be somehow on, on that way connected. And then I have heaps of friends out there. Now they, now some friends are in Palma de Mallorca and training on the K, but, but then I send them a text or they send me videos. I mean, I think Strava is pretty nice. It's really nice. But I'm not a KOM guy, don't worry. <laughs>